back to One Conversation, where one conversation can change your life. I'm Jason Macias, and with me are my two amazing co-hosts, Brianna Vallejo and Lisa Piazza. So January is Stalking Awareness Month and Human Trafficking Awareness Month, but today we'll be discussing how we define stalking and some examples of stalking and what it could look like. Yeah, and something really important to keep in mind today, you know, we've talked about a lot of um, issues already in these podcasts, right? We've covered domestic violence. Um, we've had specific conversations about supporting survivors. Something really important to note today, stalking, um, it's, it's really all about context, right? So there's specific ways we can define this issue. There's specific behaviors that we can look at, right? And how we define stalking, but before we even get going, it's really all about context. So to just kind of give a little picture of that before we head forward, um, you know, something that may seem super benign to us, something that may seem really not insidious at all, right? Like maybe, uh, maybe a gift or a gesture that's given to somebody, that could be really horrifying for someone in that situation, right? Um, because again, that context, we don't know what that gift could mean to that person, right? Maybe, you know, you see someone receiving flowers and in our head, right? Like, oh, that's super nice. You got flowers from someone. But if that person's a victim of stalking, those flowers can mean, does this person know where I am? Have they found me? Have they, you know, specifically kind of threatened me in the past, right? Maybe saying something like, you know, the day that you get roses is the day that I come find you, right? So we have to keep that in mind as we go along. A lot of things, maybe when we're defining this may seem like, that doesn't seem like a big deal, right? Uh, but it really, again, could be, again, when it's all in context. So we're gonna kind of start here uh, just with our definition. So Bree's gonna go ahead um, and break down the definition of stalking for us. Yeah, so I remember when I first started working for Live Violence Free and I was learning all about our different programs and services and just more about what the people we interact with might be experiencing. And something stuck out with me from that training is that some people will talk about stalking uh, in a lot of different ways, right? And that's why Lisa was letting us know that we really need to take it into context because it can be described in a lot of different ways. You know, someone's making me feel uncomfortable because they keep doing this all the time. You know, this person keeps doing this to me. There's so many different ways that someone might describe it. But what really stuck out to me was that when it's actually reported to law enforcement, there is a key word or phrase that really needs to be in there in order for it to actually be considered by law enforcement definition as stalking. And that is that there must be fear involved. So we can kind of assume that normally if you're being stalked, you might have that fear that comes up, right? That's a normal emotion that's going to come up if you're someone who is being stalked but actually talking about it you might forget to say that you might think that it's oh just a given that i'm feeling fear but it's so important that we take the the definition of stalking which is a pattern of behavior where someone repeatedly watches follows intimidates or harasses you making you feel afraid or unsafe so that is so important right there, that fear. And so you might be experiencing it, just make sure if it's something that you're reporting that you actually do verbalize that you are feeling that fear. <clears throat> Generally, if behavior is targeting one person, uh, there's behavior making that 
person afraid, and it's happened more than once. So this is also where it can relate to or be similar to domestic violence, because also in domestic violence, it's a pattern of behavior. Like I said in the definition just a second ago, it's a pattern of behavior. Stalking is a pattern. Domestic violence is a pattern. So it's not just one incident. It has to be something that occurs over and over where you can establish a pattern. Absolutely. And, you know, just want to highlight that word fear and also unwanted attention, right? Because it's something that the victim of stalking is not wanting. They're not consenting to it. It's unwanted attention that they're receiving from someone. So that's also a very key, important factor when it comes to stalking. So with that being said, we know this is a common issue, right? Um, Not a lot of people are aware of what stalking is or what it looks like, but we know it's a common issue and that's why we're discussing it today. And with that being said, an estimated 25 million people have been stalked in the United States over the course of their lifetime. So, you know, I really think it's important to let that number sink in. 25 million people are affected and impacted by stalking. About one in six women and one in 17 men are stalked over a year period on average in the U.S. So again, it's very relevant. The majority of stalkers are intimate partners, um, you know, they're current or former. So it's something important to know. At times, people think also that stalkers are a stranger to the victim. But when in reality, it's someone that they know. And like I just mentioned, it could be a current or former partner. Also, um, less than 40% of victims report to law enforcement. There's many reasons why they may not report, right? They may fear reporting or talking to the police. Also, sometimes people minimize um, actions when it comes to stalking, right? Making it seem like it's not a big deal or, you know, it may not be, if they are talking to a friend or family member, they may not be able to identify it or recognize it as stalking, right? Which is why we're having this conversation, why we're trying to spread awareness around stalking. Yeah, and I love just being able to share out to the statistic that it's majority of the time someone the person knows. It's a large majority of the time, I believe it's over 60% for women, uh, majority of the time that it's your current or your former intimate partner, right? So someone that you've dated. Um, Because really, you know, we we see this really glamorized. We see stalking really misrepresented. We see it really glamorized in a lot of different media sources, right? Um, For instance, just before we started this today, I was letting our other co-hosts know I just not long ago finished um, the series You on Netflix. That's essentially about a extremely dangerous stalker. And the interesting thing is, right, is watching that show. I mean, I was really taken aback, but I mean, he's the protagonist of the show. He's the main character. In a way, they've kind of written it to where you know, you, they almost want you to cheer for him, right? Like they almost want you, like you want him to get the girl, right? And in my head, it was like alarms going off the whole time of, you know, this is really kind of painting a certain picture of what this is, right? And not only kind of normalizing it or glamorizing it, but also in that series, right? He is that kind of secret admirer stalker. Because I know, you know, if you Google stalking, the images, if you did an image Google search for stalking, you're going to see what? Like the hood up, the guy creeping in the corner, right? Kind of faceless watching you. Um, And I mean, that statistically happens, but so rarely, right? So they really are depicting that, you know, this, um, this certain type of stalker that we don't generally see too often and again really glamorizing it and that's not the only way right I mean even just 
small, subtle things, right? The kind of common verbiage of saying things like, oh my God, I was Facebook stalking them, right? There's just a lot of ways in which we sadly end up kind of diluting this issue, right? Or maybe representing it in a way that's just really not doing us any favors, right? Because this could be such a completely dangerous issue. Um, and yeah, and something that is going to give people a lot of fear, something that is going to control someone's life, right? Because we know, again, just like all the other issues we've talked about, that's the motivation. It's getting power and control. This person is getting that feeling of power and control by scaring someone, by kind of controlling them, even if they're not in the room, right? Even if they have that power to just maybe make them uncomfortable enough where, you know, maybe I'm not going to leave the house or maybe I'm going to change my daily routine because now I'm uncomfortable, right? That's power and controlling over their life, right? So we know that's the big motivation. So we just wanted to kind of start with that, right? Especially alongside those statistics. Um, but we are definitely going to go ahead to, there's a lot of behaviors that kind of fall um, under this category, right? It can be becoming part of that pattern, right? Of these behaviors that are happening for us to report stalking. And so we definitely have kind of two different categories. There's ways, you know, someone can be stalked kind of like everyday life and also through technology as well. So Bree's going to go ahead and start us off just giving some of the most common stalking examples. Yeah. So one of the first ones that I think of is just following, you know, I think we've all had that moment where we're driving in our car Maybe it's late at night and we notice that there's a car that's been behind us for a while and for a few different turns. You know, we've all kind of had that feeling before. But again, it's not that one incident. That would be if every time you go home, there's a car behind you that you're beginning to recognize and that follows the turns that you're making. You know, maybe they're not really common turns that someone would be making. So that could be in an example or not even being in your car just being if you walk somewhere just being on foot and you notice that someone's following you it's like we said most likely someone that you know um, so just that's a very typical example of it but again another reminder that it is a pattern <clears throat> constant contact so that goes a little bit into the tech but I mean, we can be contacted by people in numerous ways. And so that's someone who is just not letting up, you know, you've let them know that you don't want to have contact with them and they are just consistently finding different ways to get in contact with you. That's bound to make someone feel that fear at some point. Leaving notes or gifts or messages, like Lisa was saying, sometimes it's nice to get flowers from a secret admirer, but for some people who are experiencing stalking, that could be a very triggering or traumatic event to get that gift, that note. Uh, it could be meaning something more sinister than people would be realizing just seeing it from the outside, right? They think, oh, that's so nice that they sent that to you, but it might mean something more to you uh, if you're being stalked by someone. Spreading rumors. Uh, showing up in places unannounced, that's always a scary one when you plan something, you know, you're meeting a friend at a certain coffee shop and then the person that you're being stalked by is there. And the only person that you told about that is your other friend. You know, you start questioning your every move of how did that person possibly find out that I was going to be here? 
you know, are they waiting outside my house and they followed me here? Are they listening into my conversations? You start thinking about all those different possibilities and it can really make you just reevaluate every single little step that you took, even though you're not doing anything wrong. It's that other person who is stalking you and making you feel that fear. Yeah. I want to jump in too. Yeah. Maybe even showing up at your work, right? Yes. Or maybe even like constantly. And that can not only be really scary, uh, but also could be super detrimental to that person, right? So the showing up could be obviously super unannounced, frightening. And at the same time could like, you know, maybe pose like a threat to that person, right? Maybe they might lose their job if this person kind of keeps showing up, right? And kind of creating these issues. Um, so I just wanted to put that out there too, because really kind of like anywhere, maybe this person knows you're going to be, which obviously work, right? Following you home, that kind of thing. Um, it could be super common for that person to go through that. Yes, good point. Absolutely. Uh, gathering information from people close to you. So this could be something if you've told them, look, I do not want to talk to you. I do not want to have any further conversation with you. They might still be trying to kind of quasi still be in your life by talking to other people who are around you, trying to get information from them. Um, I really like when restraining orders are in effect and they include no third party contact, because then that means that if they do try to do that, go around by talking to friends and families, family trying to get to you, that is also a violation of the restraining order. So highly recommend that if you're going down that route. Um, threats, obviously, those are going to cause fear, you know, and that is absolutely something that can be, if you are wanting to go down that route, can be reported to law enforcement if you're receiving threats. Uh, breaking into a residence or any other property damage, which is really common. Uh, someone trying to, to break in because they've just had enough of you not talking to them and they're taking it in their own hands. Any kind of property damage, you know, think about if it's a cell phone or if it's something um, that you own that maybe isn't in your house and they're damaging it. You know, they, a lot of times when someone is stalking you, they know the buttons to push on you and they know what's going yeah. to get that rise out of you. And so they're going to do what they can to push those buttons to make you feel that fear and to make you know that they are there, that they are doing this, they are causing this. Yeah, maybe even like scratching up a car, right? Because you know that car yes. is important to them. Um, yeah, really, because again, if you know someone that well, right, it's kind of easy. And if you really want someone to talk to you, right, and they're just not, um, yeah, there's probably a lot of things that person can think about, right, knowing them, but like, ooh, I know how they'll talk to me, right? Like they got to address me if I smash that car up, right? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, there's, I think highlighting property damage for that reason is super important. Yeah, cars or even pets or talking about also um, interfering with custody arrangements. You know, it's all those things that they know it's something that's really important to you. So they're going to mess it up in order to mess with you because they know it will work. So that is something that we see very commonly. And then taking pictures or recording the person. So... I personally, especially since we have so much going on on our laptops these days, I have one of those little covers that goes over my camera uh, for when I'm not actually using my camera because there's been so many instances of, you know, that's more of a stranger hacking into your account and 
watching you that way, but it's been documented that that has happened. So that's one safety measure and that's leading into our tech conversation a little bit um, that I personally take. And if that's something that you're worried about, you can just take a sticky note and put it up there. You know, that's that extra peace of mind. Yes. (laughs) Life hack for the day. That's good advice. I actually ripped my sticker off. Yeah, I ripped my sticker off. And then now like doing this, right, I'd have to have something I can take on and off. But I was like, ooh, sticky notes solve a lot of problems. Yep. (laughs) They sure do. (laughs) So that's starting to go into our tech conversation. And I know that JC has more to say about stocking and how it relates to technology. Absolutely. Thank you, Brie, for going over those tactics that some of the stalkers used. So definitely we have stalkers that will misuse technology to stalk the victim, right? And we refer to it as cyber stalking or high-tech stalking. So some of those examples of what stalkers use or the tactics that they may use is, you know, using different platforms to contact the victim. So they may send multiple emails or text messages a day. They may monitor a victim's computer activity or their phone activity, right, through spyware. So there are apps that they can actually add on to someone's phone or computer where it will allow them to monitor the victim's use, right? So let's pretend the victim is logging into Facebook or any other social media. Whatever screen they're seeing, the um, stalker may be able to see the exact same screen, right? They may also track the location of a victim's vehicle by using GPS or possibly entering it into, you know, a piece of clothing, a purse. Um, also, you know, having a, um, a app that will actually be added onto the victim's phone where they're also able to track them in that way. So these are some of the misuses that you know, they use some of the tactics that they use through technology. Also, they may watch the victim through a hidden camera, which is something that has happened. And we'll talk about an example later on in regards to that. They may also intercept phone calls or text messages. Like I mentioned, you know, they may have an app added on to the victim's phone or computer where they're able to intercede or intercept. Also, they may impersonate the victim, so they could hack into any other account and impersonate them, especially social media where they're messaging someone or they're just posting things that, you know, they would normally not post, but it's because a stalker has been able to intercept or hack their account. Um, And so we know that cyber stalking does happen, um, and it happens through smart devices as well. And, you know, it's something that not only is it scary for a victim, but I think Anyone overall, like Brianna mentioned, you know, uh, taking sometimes the safety protocols or precautions in regards to like covering your camera or anything that can be, you know, hacked. Because there was a situation specifically of a, a survivor who was being cyber stalked by um, her husband. I believe at that time they were separated and he was controlling, you know, her stereo, her smart stereo, her home system, um, you know, turning the music on at two or three in the morning, locking her in the house and, you know, turning the thermostat completely high so that she's really hot or she's really cold in the middle of the night. Just imagine how scary that is, feeling like you have no power and control, even in your own home, right? Because they're controlling you, even though they may be in a whole different city, traveling, working, whatever it is, but they're still having that power and control over you and having access to you. It can become something that is very scary. And that's why a lot of these victims have fear 
not only that, but sometimes it's really difficult to have evidence or to prove, right? Some of the cyber stalking because it's being done through a virtual platform or just through a different platform that's not always visible to others. So it can be very scary and difficult. Some people ask like, how does someone know they are being cyber stalked, you know? And so a lot of times victims know that some technology is being used when it comes to cyber stalking because the person that is stalking them knows too much, right? Where they're like, I have no idea how they know what conversations I'm having, who I'm talking to, where right. I'm going, you know? And it's because most likely that person has, you know, some type of spyware on your phone, they even have GPS tracking. I know specifically we worked with someone who was being stalked by her husband at the time, but she was separating from that person and they had a tracking device in their purse. It was sewed into their purse. So when we were trying to figure out how is this person being stalked? How is their ex-husband stalking this person, right? And we went through all the safety planning and just everything. And after talking to a police officer, it's like, let's go through all their items. Let's detect everything. And they actually had a GPS system in their phone, their GPS device that was tracking them. And it is a very scary situation. And it does happen, you know, more common than you think. So, you know, it's not just another, uh, it's just another layer that they have to worry about sometimes as a victim of stalking, you know, not just the stalking overall, but now cyber stalking as well. Yeah. I can't imagine like that feeling, right? Because I can really, in, in my head, in the way that, again, I have no like lenses for this experience, so I really do not know, right, or understand, but I can, I can only imagine that feeling of just being so hypervigilant all day, mm -hmm. every day, right, just like worried about where this person is, what their intentions are. I mean, even if this person hasn't like really like done anything, right, or you've seen them in person, still, right, like when someone's kind of willing to go out on a limb and make us uncomfortable, there's something to that, right? And when someone is spending a lot of time and energy, that's terrifying, right? We begin to think like, why and what else? And what are they capable of, right? And so I can only imagine, and maybe it seems silly, oh, this person's turning the lights on and off, but no, because in reality, if my entire day is kind of me like running the engine full throttle, right? Just being anxious, looking over my shoulder, wondering what's next, that is going to be such like it's just an exhausting right and so fear-led life yeah like there's going to be so many things that i may just not do anymore because i don't want to risk right like putting myself out there or getting into a situation and just regardless that feeling of always you don't know maybe you don't know who they are or maybe you just don't know really what their intentions are if you do know them right why are they doing this that is a super overwhelming feeling and again kind of back to the beginning why we say a lot of this is about context, right? Again, you know, maybe we look at some of those behaviors, um, like calling a lot. Maybe someone's out there listening right now that's like, well, one of my friends calls me a lot, right? This is a lot different. There's this is fear involved first and foremost. And also, again, we we talked about this is commonly someone you dated either currently or an ex of yours, right? So now this person again is going way above and beyond their means to make sure that you know they're not going anywhere in your life, right? Mm -hmm. And they're willing to kind of do all of these things to push your buttons, make you feel afraid, make you uncomfortable, especially maybe in tandem with all the abuse going on in that relationship, right? If you watched our domestic violence episode, if you listened to all the things going on, right, in that situation that that victim or survivor already feels so powerless, 
So imagine trying to leave and now you feel this too, right? And now you feel again, this level of control. And it's why this is so important. And, and sometimes it is hard to report, right? Imagine knowing someone's installing spyware because there's no way they would know that unless they were in that conversation, right? But how hard is that kind of to prove to police, right? When police have to have evidence, right? And so a lot of this, it becomes super tricky. Um, and it's so unfortunate, right? How stalking can really kind of just take that full power and control away from somebody, right? And so kind of in light of that, you know, we want to just make sure because we're going to talk about um, considerations, safety planning, always, right, as much as we like to educate and kind of give you the definitions and tell you what things are, we also want to just wrap you with support um, and resources as well. And so first, I know I said this before, let's just not glamorize stalking, right? Um, I'm not going to say like, no, no one else in the world can watch the series you, right? But I can say if you're going to watch it, it is just riddled with so many just wrong uh, messages. I'll say that, absolutely, right? Mm -hmm. And also, again, that verbiage, right? Like, he was stalking me online. We have to be really careful. Again, this is some, something someone's going through that's more, more than likely going to be ultimately life-changing for them, right? So we're really diluting what could be the most terrifying experience for someone else and just kind of making light of it, right? And so another thing uh, before we get deeper into some considerations, we want to make sure too, you know, if we have a feeling or just in general, it's a good idea for everyone to do this. Just go on your phone and maybe look at security settings. Maybe you're one of those people, all your accounts are public and you're like friending everyone, right? Or maybe you're sharing, you're checking in. Maybe you have photos up that kind of show the street name of the street you live on or the front of your house with a house number and you kind of haven't considered that, right? So it's always a good idea to kind of keep that stuff in mind. Um, and I have, before we get to safety planning, one last tip, right? And this is where we talked about, let's say you're in this situation and someone is following you. Right. And this, I mean, this could be just someone following you or stalking, right? This has happened more than once. We know that's the definition, right? It's not just one time. But if someone is um, following you once or this has been an occurrence, right? Someone's behind you. And this is like taken from self defense, like seminars we've co led, right? Um, if someone is following behind you, again, think about it. They're trying to power and control you, right? That's what they want. They want to victimize someone. They want to make you feel afraid. That makes them feel good. So if someone's following behind you, the best thing you can do, um, especially, I mean, if you can get really quickly somewhere where it's more populated, try to do that. But the grand scheme of things, you want to turn around, face that person, look them in the eye, because first off, now you're showing them, I'm not afraid of you. Second off, now you've seen this person, so you know what they look like, right? You can identify them, you, you can you know describe features, but look at them and address them and actually ask them, you know, looking right into their eyes, are you following me? Because at that point, right, you're going to do one of two things. Either maybe this is someone that had a weird speed walking behind you, and maybe they're going to be like, whoa, oh my gosh, I am so sorry. And you may for a second, you may for a second feel like you look like that crazy person that's like, but no, you're really not, right? Because if you feel like someone's too close to you, right? And if they did have the intention of doing something bad to you, then yeah, you really want to like turn, you want to kind of, again, give them that look like I'm not the one to mess with. And at the same time, like I'm also willing to address you, right? So I'm not the one to victimize. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of stop this right from the get go, right? Um, because then again, you know, you, you have the option, they turn like, oh my, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. Or um, this was someone that was willing 
to, you know, kind of creep you out, trying to victimize you. And maybe you've shut that down, right? Because you've kind of just gotten loud and gotten in their face. And so, um, so quickly, I was telling my two hosts, my mother taught me this lesson so early on. My mother always said, if someone's following you, you know, you have to be loud and crazy. Um, and she said, you know, I know this works. When she was 19 years old, her and her two is either like her sister and a girlfriend or a cousin something but her and her two friends were walking into this popular um like dancing club at the time and so on the way in they noticed a super just like odd seeming guy kind of sitting on the hood of his car just kind of sitting there chilling just like watching all the women walk in and just being like very creepy right like they can kind of tell like this guy's a little creepy and they paid him no mind they went in they were there for hours dancing on the way out my mom's like kind of walking with their girlfriends arm in arm to the car this guy was still there as soon as they walked out they see him still sitting there and as soon as they walked out he got up and started following behind them and so i guess you know whoever my mom was with at the time was kept kind of looking and looking oh my god he's getting closer he's getting closer and finally my mom just turned around and was like get away from me like as loud as she could like look this man right in the eye like she just went like dmx on him and this guy <laughs> just like turned and then just walked away right because he was just like i'm not the one maybe you see us maybe you see three girls and i'm kind of holding up this one but like uh-uh right and so again of course maybe that's just like a one-time situation you can use that in or if you know maybe someone has been following you then that's even more important right to kind of address that person and let them know I see you and now maybe I've seen your features too, right? And I can identify you. And so some small things right off the bat to keep in mind, um, but we definitely have some other considerations as well, uh, especially kind of talking more about safety planning, right? And if you're someone in a situation where things have really escalated, it's not, again, you know, someone just following you a few times or someone you don't know, this is a really maybe dangerous situation. There's a lot of ways in which we can kind of try to um, make these considerations and, and protect ourselves a little bit more. So I know JC definitely has some to start. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing that we know is that a lot of victims of stalking feel pressured at times by their friends or family members to simply ignore the stalker's behavior, minimize it, right? They may say they just have a crush on you, or you just have a secret admirer, right? But regardless, you have you have victims that are in fear, right? Or feel like they're in a dangerous situation. And, you know, definitely they have a justification that is scary. If you're getting unwanted attention from someone and you don't like it and you're not asking, you're not wanting it or you're not, you know, in communication with that person or you're just creeped out by that person, it is not okay, right? And so with that being said, it's really important to have some safety protocols or just tips for you to know of so that you're able to implement them, right? And so it's really important for you not to travel alone if possible, right? So let's pretend this stalker is stalking you after work. Maybe when you get off of work, this person is following you or is just around the corner watching your every move, right? So it's really important for you not to travel alone if possible. Use the buddy system, right? Maybe let a coworker know what's going on and have someone walk out with you. If you work for the casinos or an area where there is a security, that's what they're there for. They're actually able to help you with that and they're able to walk with you so that you're safe. And then, you know, also a very important thing is to notify your friends and family 
um, any neighbors or, you know, if you're going to school or if you have specific coworkers or supervisors about the stalking, right? So if you are in fear now and this person keeps stalking you, it's really important for you to let those people around you know, so that they know to look out for this person, so that they know to, you know, have your safety in mind, to walk out with you, to know, you know, where you maybe when you're leaving work, to know kind of when you're getting home, specifically if it's a friend or your partner. So it's just really important to kind of increase that support system, right? And for them to be aware of what's going on. Also, it's important to develop a code word, right? This is something that we also do with domestic violence victims, and it's just as important for stalking victims, right? You wanna make sure to have a code word that you can use. Um, if the stalker is even present, maybe the stalker's right in front of you and you're like, I don't wanna say, oh, he's here or she's here, right? But yeah. maybe you can text that word or you can call someone and you know, um, use that word. So obviously you wanna use a word that is not transparent to the stalker that you're talking about them. So you don't wanna say stalker or he's here or she's here, right? <laughs> Yell out um, like pineapple. Right? <laughs> but maybe it's like, you know, uh, lake, like I want to go to the lake. You know? mm. And obviously during winter time, you're like, what, what do you mean? You know, but it's a word that you want to use and talk about with that person that you will be providing a safe word to if that stalker is there. Right. And really having a full on discussion of like, if I use this word, that means the stalker is nearby or they're in front of me or, or I'm in fear because they're here. Right. Yeah. So you need to call 911 or you need to get me help. Yeah. Um, so making sure that you kind of create that, uh, you know, that secret word or that safe word. Also increasing home security, right? So this is really just dependent on how you're feeling and what has been going on in kind of your situation, right? So if you have someone that has been following you at home and you are feeling unsafe and in fear, one, you can have a home system, right? Two, you can also get, you know, specific deadbolts installed or window locks. I know that we had someone specifically that we were working with that was very afraid of their ex-partner who was stalking them and they wanted window locks, you know, and they wanted those extra precautions in regards to their door and their windows. And that's what made them feel safe. And, you know, that is justified. And that is a perfect reason for you to take those extra steps and get the help that you need in regards to that. Um, you know, again, getting that home security system if needed, or maybe motion activated outdoor lights, right? Sometimes when the stalker feels like they are in sight or people are aware or they are just, you know, perfectly visible, they may be afraid. And so, you know, if you have those um, activated lights, then it may stop them or at least prevent them from going, you know, at night, or it may make them think about it twice. So that's also a very important thing that you could do. And a very important safety uh, tip is to make a police report, right? We um, are always here to suggest these safety tips to make sure that you are as safe as possible in your situation. Sometimes we have people that are hesitant to report the police and we understand there's so many reasons on why you, you may feel hesitant to do so. But it's really important that you make a police report because this might prevent the stalker from stalking you. Um, and even if it doesn't prevent it, you know, at least the stalker will have, you know, police reports on file for them. And not only that, but, you know, they could face legal consequences, which is really critical and important in your situation, specifically if you're trying to get a restraining order. Yes, thank you, JC. So 
talking about some more safety tips if you're experiencing stalking and specifically talking about some online safety tips or things to do with your technology. So blocking their phone number and blocking them on social media. And not only you blocking them on social media, but asking your friends to block them as well, or even asking your friends to report their account as spam if they maybe maybe recreated a, a fake account so that they could try and follow you. You know, that's something that even I, I don't have anyone that I'm currently experiencing stalking from, but sometimes I'll get a weird request from an account on Instagram that has like seven followers and they've posted like two photos and they're wanting to follow me. And I think like, what is this a real person? Are they just trying to, cause my accounts are private. So I'm wondering, are they just trying to get past the privacy on my account? So right. Always delete those. <laughs> if you don't yeah. know them, always better to just say, no, you know, you don't, you don't gain that access past that privacy wall that I've chosen to put up. Mm -hmm. Changing your phone number and email address or creating new ones for daily use. So I know that this can be definitely hard to do. My phone number is attached to so many different things. My email is attached to so many different things. But if it means, you know, when Lisa was talking about you have that all day, every day sense of just checking your surroundings and being so vigilant about every little thing that you do because you're aware that every little thing might be that person stalking you, you know, you're just thinking about it all the time. It might be worth it to go through those changes to change your phone number and to change your email address so that they can't uh, access you in that way. Increasing security on all of your devices. So making sure that, you know, your computer and your phone, whatever technology you have, that they're all up to date on their security, spyware, all of that. I don't know all the correct terms for that, but uh, <laughs> definitely uh, do the research on that and make sure that you don't have, you know, maybe if it's a internet um, that you are doing in a public place, you know, at a Starbucks or something like that. Just be aware of what you're doing while you're on that public internet. Maybe the things that involve your personal contact information, make sure that you're doing that in the privacy of your own home where you have your internet that is locked by a password. Uh, turn off location sharing, especially in Snapchat. <laughs> I love talking about this one because Snapchat, those lovely people over at Snapchat, <laughs> a few years ago, well, I mean, it's probably like five years ago now, there was an update where it would automatically share your location unless you went in and physically disabled it yourself. I saw that. So we never really know when an app is going to come out like that. So maybe just getting in the habit of checking your apps every now and then, you know, sometimes I'll get an, I have an iPhone and sometimes I'll get an update and something weird will be going on with my phone. And then I'll go in and learn that it changed in that update. I'm like, whoa, I did not consent to that. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It happens all the time too. Yeah. Just yeah. my permission. <laughs> yeah. And so understanding that the apps you download 
knowing what information they can access and any updates you have on your phone or on the apps, knowing what it means to have that update or just going in and double checking, you know, what apps are allowed to share your location. You know, I went through and did that pretty recently. I went through and disallowed almost every single app from ever allowing my location, like Walgreens or something like that. Like, why do you, I know where my Walgreens is? You don't need to know where my Walgreens is. <laughs> yeah, they do not need to keep tabs on me. Walgreens is doing good. They don't need to know where I am. Yeah. I will happily put in my zip code. You don't need to find that out for me, but thanks. <laughs> in a way, it's like we're we're so used to that, though. It's like the world is now yes. in technology. It's like in a way trying to make everything so convenient that we don't have to think about it. But that is like also the downfall, right? Because it's stuff that maybe is going on that's supposed to be convenient so we don't have to think about it. But like mm -hmm. we're not thinking about it, we're not considering it, and it could be super dangerous. I remember the first time seeing the Snap Map. It was in high school. It was during my high school class and my ninth graders were talking about social media safety. And I mean, they were the experts in the room. So that was like a, a fun day for me because I was always like, what are you guys using? What is it about these apps that you like? Like, what do you do on them? What are some safety considerations you guys see, right? Like not even like Miss Teacher up here, but like, yeah, what do you guys think is some good safety tips? And someone, someone told me about the Snap Map um, and they're like, yeah, like it's GPS tracking you. And at the time too, of course, high schoolers, they're so much better with technology as well, but like they knew about it, that you could shut it off and all of that. But me as like 30 year old me hearing and having this student bring his phone up and there was like a little cartoon emoji of him. Mm -hmm. And then it was a map of the world with everyone in the world that was on Snapchat. And you could like zoom in. He was like, oh, look, this person's like out on a boat and like zoomed in. And someone was like, yeah, in the middle of Lake Tahoe on a boat. And I was like, I near fainted. They were all like laughing because I was like, oh my God, you guys, can you turn this off? Like, are you always being followed? This is so dangerous, but like- Red flags. <laughs> yes. Right, right. And again, they knew the program, obviously much, I've never used Snapchat, um, but they obviously know the program much better than I do, that they could turn it off. A lot of them chose to, but a lot of them didn't, right? And and that's something I always talked about too, right? It's just, um, we want to make sure, kind of going back to like, you know, these weird accounts that I don't know this person and, you know, should I add them? Should I not? There's mm -hmm. this huge concept too, especially with younger people of just like, I want to be public. I want to, you know, I want everyone to be able to find me and comment and like it and share it and build that follower base, right. And build all of that. And it's like that consideration for safety sometimes just gets put to the side, right. Cause that's the world we live in. It's like influencers following themselves around with cameras all day, kind of documenting exactly where they are and what they're doing. And so I think a lot of us, yeah, we kind of that as just being okay it's convenient it's what's in technology right now and we just we're like, yeah we're doing that too but again like who kind of deserves right if we're gonna like let that person follow us that has three pictures that's from saskatchewan or whatever that we have no idea who they are like does this person deserve to kind of know my personal life right and kind of framing it like that right like how much information am i sharing to whom do these people kind of deserve to know me in my in my life and deserve to kind of know this information about me? So keeping that in mind for sure, right? Um, and so as we kind of move on with these tips, I'm gonna get into a little bit for documenting stalking, right? And some tips and considerations for that. And so we're gonna kind of touch on some of the things, especially Brie just said, right? Because before, um, you know, before we do maybe delete an account, um, delete the messages, right? Or start changing things. It's super important to document that 
before we do, right? Because we don't want to, again, lose information. And so really, I mean, you want to start kind of making a really detailed, you can even write a list of incidences, time, what occurred, but especially if things are virtual, we want to really be screenshotting everything. We want to make sure that we have a screenshot of that call log with all those calls from these many days of the messages that were sent, um, of the DMs that you're getting on whatever social media platform, right? Or whatever ways they're interfering with that. And so documents everything, even if it's such a small incident, it does not matter because if you're actually being stalked, right? We know it's more than one incident and these things are going to add up, right? And when you are perhaps trying to build a case, get a restraining order, that will be super important, right? So Keep all the texts, keep all the emails, take pictures, take screenshots. If there's gifts that were physically given to you, notes that were physically left, take photos, right? Um, and again, after that, you don't have to keep it, hold on to it as long as you have it documented, but you want to make sure, again, you have evidence of all of that. It's going to be super important. Um, and so again, after that too, at that point, yeah, make sure they're blocked from the account, right? And maybe from friends' accounts as well, because that's a super easy way that someone could really, without your consent, right, just kind of keep hanging around if you say, like, don't talk to me, but then they choose to involve friends and involve family, because then obviously friends and family are going to let you know, you may feel like guilt and shame because now they're bugging this person, right, which is not your guilt and shame to carry from the get-go, but we get how maybe that could be felt, right? So at that point, again, um, really making sure, you know, if there are weird numbers coming through, weird requests coming through, we're not accepting them and we're cutting off that contact. But again, documenting, we can't stress enough the importance of that and making sure, again, even if it's something so small that we're really taking note of it. Uh, but especially too, uh, just to kind of cover up this last detail, especially if there's been property damage, right? If someone has scratched that car, broken a window, if you see someone has maybe tampered with like the fence in your backyard and that may indicate this person may have been coming through the backyard to look in a window, right? Or whatever that is. So even things like that as far as property damage, of course, for insurance and liability reasons, but specifically for those kind of case building reasons as well. And so I, I'm sure there's probably, you know, a lot more things we could really say on this, but I think, you know, going into a 101 today, we'll obviously revisit this, um, going into a 101 today, we really want you to kind of move ahead empowered with this stuff, right? Because we do live in a world that's just really easily accessible to kind of get information about people and, and gain access to people kind of maybe sometimes without us knowing it, right? So we really want you to feel empowered. It's Stocky Awareness Month. We want you to be able to kind of take these conversations out, share these safety tips with others. At the same time, you know, maybe kind of see the world a little bit differently, right? Maybe change some of that language. Maybe when you're watching shows like that one we mentioned, having that framework that, you know, and can have those conversations of this isn't really what it is, right? And then that way we're really doing a lot to honor victims and survivors of stalking and also helping to kind of hopefully end the issue, right? Or kind of maybe stop it from happening. Maybe just this information is going to help one person, right, kind of navigate away from the situation occurring. Um, so that being said, we're definitely going to go ahead and breathe with y'all before we leave today. That's a lot of heavy information. Yes. So Bree, I think you have like a very exciting meditation today for us too. I'm, I know I'm excited. I do. So I was sharing with these ladies that when I originally did this meditation, it was during a webinar and I remember kind of like opening one eye to take notes throughout the meditation because I was enjoying it so much. I didn't want to forget all of the little steps. So 
I hope that I can do this justice so that you guys really get everything out of this that I got out of it. So if we're ready, go ahead and oh, get yourself into a comfortable place. I'm going to do it for myself as well. Just get into the meditation mode here. So if you're able to join us in this right now, make sure you're getting into a comfortable space. Go ahead and if it feels good, go ahead and close your eyes. Just come into this space, start being aware of your breaths. Go ahead and take three deep breaths. Now, as you're entering this space of feeling calm and relaxed, I want you to travel in your mind to a body of water that just feels like home. Sometimes when we come across lakes or any kind of body of water, they just feel comforting. They feel like home. Take yourself to the shoreline of that lake, that river, and take three deep breaths. As you're breathing, keep in mind that the weather you feel is your favorite season. No matter what that season is, you feel that air around you. You feel it on your fingertips. If there's a little bit of a breeze, you feel it through your hair. Really immerse yourself in feeling that season around you as you're at your favorite body of water. Take three deep breaths here. Now as you're enjoying this scene, you see someone in the distance. You're trying to figure out who that person is. They're coming toward you, and you realize that it's you. It could either be a child version of you, or a little bit older version of you. But it's you, and seeing you makes you feel calm. As they get closer, you're able to exchange words. You share stories. Throughout these stories, the most important factor is that you laugh. This person, this version of you that just came up to you, 
and sharing laughter as you are by this body of water and as you feel your favorite weather around you. Take three deep breaths. Just continue to soak in everything about this interaction. What the rest of the environment looks like in your favorite season by your favorite body of water. What stories you're sharing with yourself. How the laughter feels. Soak in everything that's happening at this place that feels like home. Take three deep breaths. Now we're going to come back from this experience. Slowly make yourself aware in the room you're in. Gently leave that space you had created, that visualization. It'll be there for you again. Thank yourself for taking this time. You can weather your eyes open, wiggle your toes, stretch out whatever needs to be stretched out. Just really thank yourself for taking that time. That was lovely. Isn't that, that the coolest? Cool. When you were like, someone's coming, I was like, who is it? And you were like, it's you. <laughs> oh. Talk about stalking. Like really, really how appropriate for the day. Yeah, how appropriate. Um, no, that was so nice. Um, but before we kind of jump into our little outro, I remembered something kind of as was coming out of that. Um, I think going back, right, and maybe just giving one little tip, if maybe someone you know uh, you think maybe someone you know is kind of going through this stuff, or maybe there's a situation where kind of like what we were talking about in the beginning, right? Maybe it's a situation that is occurring where you're like, oh, that seems really nice, but someone maybe in people don't always show fear, right? And that's really important. You don't have to show fear for talking to be happening. Maybe you feel it, and you're not showing it, mm -hmm. but regardless, maybe um, you're kind of realizing that something is uncomfortable, right? Maybe someone did get flowers and they're kind of like reacting to it, right? it's really important. We can ask that person, right? Um, and kind of just bring up with them, you know, like, what about that made you fearful? What about, you know, this message? Or what about this instance really made you fearful? Can you tell me more about that? And that's something really important to kind of, especially again, Stalking Awareness Month, um, to kind of frame our mind with. Because a lot of the time, again, if we don't understand the situations, maybe we see those flowers or whatever, we're like, oh, that's super nice, right? That they have no one really there to understand and support the fact that like that's really scary for them and so I think that's just something good to keep in mind absolutely thank you so much Lisa for highlighting that so just to our listeners we hope you'll join us again for our next episode where we'll be covering sex trafficking and we want to thank you all for being part of this one conversation we will see you next time <laughs>